Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. Welcome to the 49er Faithful UK show. You wait all season, all off season for a game, and then they start coming at you fast. What better way to flush the taste of wet bear from your mouth than with some succulent home-roasted sea chicken? It's week two, and we'll be previewing the home opener versus the Seahawks. I'm Gareth Ellis, and I'm joined by Lee Gowland. Hi, guys. And Paul Hope. Hi, everyone. So, lads, have you recovered from what looked to be an epic week one meet-up in Leeds? I've definitely recovered from the alcohol side because I wasn't too bad last weekend. Um, I was quite sensible for a change. But as far as me voice is concerned... I had a whole day Sunday talking to people, non-stop pretty much. Um, it was the same Monday morning. And then for the first time in three years, I've actually been to a client site this week. Um, so I've spent the week talking all day long. And I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, my voice is a little bit uh, husky at the moment. Um, a little bit of a sore throat, purely through talking so much this week. And you, Paul, feeling better? Yeah, um, to be fair, Gareth, I, I was very sensible in Leeds. Obviously, with my injury, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to drink alcohol. So I didn't start social drinking till the box. But what Lee said there, Gareth, just wanted to echo. It was great to see so many new faces. I spent all day talking to everybody and anybody. Um, we were very excitable during the game. And like you said, Lee, Monday morning, you know, going to the Weatherspoons, having breakfast, talking to everyone. You probably heard our voices, Gareth, on the, uh, I did. the show, so I'm back to normal, for want of a better word, and I'm just about ready for my trip to the candlestick in, which I am a little bit nervous about for obvious <laughs> reasons, Lee. Yeah, you need to be, mate. You need to be. I'm looking forward to that. Um, take warm <laughs> take warm clothes. When I, when I got out of bed this morning, um, I decided to put Falkirk on the weather app on my phone. And um, at eight o'clock this morning, it was four degrees. Yeah, I've just and we barbecue it tomorrow. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. I've I've got my sideline thermo hoodie. I've got my beanie hat dug out of the uh, loft because we're getting like Gareth said, football season's here. So you know the weather's going to take a bit of a turn for the worse. But yeah, I'm all good, Gareth. You were missed in Leeds, buddy. A lot of people asked you after were. you. Yeah, definitely um, missed. We definitely need to get nice the four to of us together on site for a photograph. That would be epic. But yeah, you were definitely missed, mate. Yeah, shame, uh, shame I couldn't be there. But uh, it did look like a uh, a good afternoon well spent, even if it didn't perhaps end with the result we uh, we all looked for. Yeah, well, you know, that happens. That's all part and parcel of being a football fan. Um, I, think, I, I don't think anybody expected us to get beat last week, but it is what it is. Um, it's easy to blame the weather, but there was two teams playing in that weather. I think there was just a lot of things we didn't do well and we lost our discipline a bit. Um, but one thing I'll say about Leeds, uh, not 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 the actual game itself, um, but the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. We had everybody there who, who'd gone to the meet-up all singing Debo's on fire, your defence is terrified, which was great, sounded great. But realistically, you could never ever do that in the stadium. Because that would be a song that you'd sing, that you sing, when the 49ers are on offense, and obviously when the 49ers are on offense, you you have to be quiet, so they can get the snap count right, and so they can communicate. Um, so along those lines, if anybody wants to come up with one of these EPL um, stadium songs for a player, do it on defense, because that's when you need to be loud. 
Um, and this comes back to the whole beginner's guide type of thing that we discussed during the summer mm -hmm. and that we put out on Facebook. What can you tell us about the game that we don't know, that type of thing. A lot of fans new to the game don't realise that when your team's on offence, you should be quiet. It's when the team's on defence, you need to make as much noise as possible. And that's to um, put off the opposing team's offence to stop the communication going out to make it as difficult as possible for them to hear the radio communication that's coming in uh, before they have to uh, break from the huddle. I think you might be able to correct us if I'm wrong here, Gareth Paul. I think the radio communication's up to... 20 seconds once there's only 20 seconds left on the play clock that's when the radio communication cuts out and the QB's on his own if I get that time right mm. is it 20 seconds 25 seconds I think that's right and echoing what you were saying Lee I listened to um, Carl Shanahan speaking to the media last night and he touched upon one of the big reasons to looking forward to this Sunday's game as you're right they're at home so obviously they want the crowd to be quiet on offence but uh I did like the Debo chant in the bar last week. I did think that was quite a nice English touch, for want of a better word, wasn't it? It was like an English football chant. Yeah. I, I, American football. Yeah, so. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And um, it kind of sums up what we all think about uh, Debo. As soon as he gets the ball in his hand, the, the opposing defence is terrified because they don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So, should we uh, crack on with the game preview? Yeah. Let's, let's crack on <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad you said yes. Uh, so, unfortunately, the Seahawks are 1-0 after pulling off probably an upset upset win in Week 1 versus the Broncos. Uh, did you watch the game, lads, and what did you make of the Seahawks-Broncos uh, matchup? Paul? I didn't watch the game live, but obviously having Game Pass, you can watch the game back and forth the next day. I just think if anyone hadn't watched the game, Gareth, and they looked at the stats and they saw that Russell Wilson had 340 yards passing and only one touchdown and still lost the game. I mean, we, we chuckled before we came live. The fact that they went for a 64-yard field goal <laughs> instead of giving the ball to their $250 million QB. But it was interesting to see the defence knew what Russell Wilson was going to do. And that goes back to what Lee's just said about the player calls and you know little things like he was touching his arm and the defence were adjusting. I thought it was very similar to our game, Gareth. I think the Broncos beat themselves. Um, obviously, two goal-line fumbles, the penalties. But it's just sods law, isn't it? The whole NFC West lose the first game of the season. And the Seahawks, who were arguably the worst have been in a long time, sit atop of the Division 1-0. and all. So... Yeah, it set it up nicely for Sunday for me. So, so I didn't watch the game, but I did read about it. I read the reviews. Um, there's a few things that stood out. The fact that all the Seahawks players knew exactly what Russell Wilson was running because he's using exactly the same hand signals as he did up in Seattle, which strikes me as being very lazy from the Broncos staff. Mm. You would have thought they'd come up with something new going into a season, especially when the first game is against his old team. And uh, I think that would have hampered the Broncos' um, offence. Obviously, <laughs> turning the ball over when you were uh, in the red zone doesn't help either. So it came as a surprise to find out the uh, Seahawks had beaten the Broncos. It doesn't explain why the Broncos were poor on defence, because they do have a very good defence. But as Paul's just mentioned there, they had a lot of the same issues as what we did with penalties. Um, so they probably shot themselves in the foot, as we did. So... I'm happy to gloss over the fact the Seahawks have won 
week one against the Broncos. I don't think it was a true showing of what level they're playing at, as was the Bears game with us. It's not a true level of what we can play at. I think we can play a lot better than that. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the uh, the weather gods are being kind to us because it's going to be raining again tomorrow. Um, just let's hope it's not anywhere near as bad as in Chicago um, because we need to find out quickly what Trey can do just to build that confidence in the fan base because you saw the mass hysteria on Twitter, Facebook last week after the Bears game and so, some of these so-called analysts who are coming out with their uh, hot takes Mike Mart, um, the week before he was saying how poor Jimmy Garoppolo was and, and how um, ready Trey is and then this week he's coming out and saying exactly the opposite so it's yeah I think there's a lot of noise going on I mean we've all seen that viral video don't know when that was recorded don't even know if that was him um, it's purported that that was videoed by Debo it's all noise that's coming out that we're not used to over the last three or four years we thought that it all stopped when we got rid of Trent Balky suddenly we start hearing these uh, murmurs of discontent about how the locker room want Jimmy to start and I think that's very premature very premature yeah. and in the moment I'm quite happy to take that with a pinch of salt um, but I'll, I'll quite happily be stand here and say I was wrong if it turns out that has happened but I think at the moment I think it's just people taking digs people want to see us fall yeah definitely there's been a quite an overreaction I think from a week one game where I think half the teams in the NFL or the ones that lost uh, had quite similar things problems to us a little bit of lack of discipline uh, and a little bit lack of execution when it mattered and the, a lot of the teams that won played well and some of the teams that won just needed to not beat themselves uh, so I don't think we're alone in that and certainly week one is uh, certainly from my point of view no no time to panic on a, on a bit of a washout road game to start the season. So uh, let's have a look at the defensive side of the ball. We looked, I think, solid for a lot of the performance against the Bears, but it was a performance marked by poor discipline and I think a little bit of lack of concentration. What do we need to do to address this for the Seahawks? Paul? Well, interestingly, Gareth, as I said earlier, I listened to Carl Shanahan speak live to the media last night and obviously Carl never gives anything away. So they were asking him stuff like what you've just said there. And he was like, look, we'll be focused. We'll put right the mistakes. And he was right in what he said. The NFL, we love the game because on any given Sunday, results like the Bears can happen. Results mm -hmm. like the Seahawks can happen. And you were right. in At halftime in Leeds, Gareth, none of us were worried. We were tendered up. The defence was playing lights out. Justin Fields was doing nothing at all. But like you said, it's a momentum shift. Nancy talks about it all the time. All it needs is one thing. And... Lee talked about Greenlaw. I think he's been a bit too aggressive last week. And yeah. He just needs to take that down a touch. And I think I found out that Nick Bosa, since he's been elevated to captain, he gives like a bit of a, a rallying call, a game speech before they come out. And I think we've got enough in the locker room, Gareth, to put it right. Um, at this point, you say a must-win game can be a little bit draining the second game of the season. But it is against our biggest rivals. We know the Seahawks are going to be up for this. They're well-coached. As much as I dislike the Seahawks and I dislike Pete Carroll, you can't take that away from us. They're going to be coming into Levi's. They're going to want to put one over on us. But I don't think we need to do a, a lot massively different to last week, especially when you go and look at some of the penalties that were given. You know, 
Greenlaw grabbing the face mask when the play was nearly over. It's, it's yeah. stuff like that, that they'll have got back to California. They'll have sat down in the meeting rooms and they've been able to see it. For me, Gareth, it would have been a bit more of a worry if it was stuff that wasn't as obvious, you know, stuff you couldn't see. Mm. But I don't know how you two feel, but that, that's my stance on it at the moment anyway. Lee? So I think it's difficult. It's difficult to say what we need to change other than the one thing because of the type of game it was last week. Um, there's so many things that you're only really going to get happen in a game like that. So I'd say the one thing that we do need to brush up on is discipline. We, we need to be more disciplined. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a lot better to see them in some normal weather or normal-ish weather. Um, it's hard to pick out anyone. I mean, Greenlaw. Greenlaw was his discipline was a little bit shoddy. Um, I mean, even Azir Alger um, going in head first. <sighs> He's an experienced linebacker. He shouldn't be doing that. It all comes down to discipline. Discipline and how they're being prepared in practice. So hopefully we'll improve on that this week. But again, yeah, other than that, because of the type of game it was, it's difficult to say somebody had a bad game. And they had a bad game because of the way they were performing, rather than having a bad game because they couldn't stand up in what was essentially a swimming pool. Yeah, I think there there were a few... Uh, performances on the defensive side that that weren't great, but I think they were. It was individual plays. It was lack of concentration, and certainly along with the flag uh, side of the discipline, I, I felt that too too often you had too many players biting on on the run flakes and things like that, and there wasn't that potentially somebody with a bit more of a steadying influence thinking there's two guys who are bitten on that. I I need to hold my ground rather than charge after them as well. But I, I I don't see it as a major problem. To me, it was quite a lot like a, the back end of a pre-season game, you know, just a little bit off the pace, a little bit sloppy, a little bit rusty. Uh, and it certainly, uh, those penalties counted for us in a, in a bad way when it really mattered. Any players uh, you're, you're looking to step up uh, this week? You've mentioned a couple of guys. Someone you're going to have your eye on, on the defensive side? Again, as far as stepping up is concerned, I don't think it's fair to say, do I see somebody stepping up? Because I'd like to see players play at the level that they did last season. And again, it's all about the weather. I think last week was an an anomaly. Forget about last week and the way people performed. Um, It was the first game of the season. You've just mentioned it, Gareth. It was like watching a a, a third or a fourth pre-season game. But that's typically what we do get for the first one, two, even three games of the season. Why people get up to game speed, why people get the game fitness up and get the sharpness back. I think that that's one of the problems with reducing pre-season. And mm. I know that the first teamers don't play that often anyway, but they do get maybe another quarter, which prepares them a little bit better. Um, if I was to say anyone, if I was to pull anybody out, and this might be controversial, I don't know, I didn't think Traverius Ward was as good as what I was expecting him to be last week. I remember watching and thinking, oh, yeah, he's great. Then I watched the highlights again, the game in 40, the day after, before we did the pod, before we did the review pod. And I was watching him, I thought, yeah, there's a couple of players where he looked really solid, he stuck to them like glue. But other than that, I think it might be in Traverius Ward who who may have been biting on some of the some of the run players. Um, I can't... Don't know off the top of my head, but I'd like to see him have the type of game that warranted the contract that we gave him. Mm-hmm. 
And Paul? Yeah, it's, it's interesting he says, Ward, Gareth. Um, it's the first time he's going to be up against DK Metcalf. Um, and I'm looking forward to that matchup, Lee. Like you said, we've brought him in on a, a decent contract. Um, I don't want to say step up, Gareth. I thought Kinlaw had a good game, first game of the season. Obviously, he's had his injury worries, but I want to see what he can do when he's not trying to run on a monsoon. And you, you were talking before about the, the Bears game. I've watched that back, and when Justin Fields escapes the pocket and gets the ball to Pettis, Armstead's so close to grabbing him, but he just mm. can't stop because of the water on the pitch. Um, I'd like to see Hufanga carry on what he did last week. And if that's the case, I know Nadji would be over the moon, Gareth. Um, I had one of the best man hugs of my entire life when <laughs> Hufanga was uh, playing lights out off Nadji. So that'll stick long in the memory. And the obvious ones, you know, Nick Bosa. We were very bullish last week, Gareth and Leeds, that Nick Bosa was going to get three, four, five sacks if you listen to the Reynolds brothers. But I'd be interested to see how Ibukan plays on Sunday because I think the Seahawks will focus a lot on Bosa. So I would like to see Ibukan. He led the way with four pressures and three quarterback hurries last week and got a sack. So I think Seattle have got a new, a new offensive line. They've got two rookies and a new centre. I think they struggled from what I watched on Monday, but uh, I'm excited for our, our defence. I think we're going to make life very difficult for Geno Smith. So what about you, Gareth? Is there anyone we've missed off that's glaringly obvious to you? No, certainly. I think uh, I'm looking for Kinlaw and Armstead to stuff up that middle and take away a bit of the run game. Um, and let's see what, what Geno uh, can do uh, if he if he hasn't got a run game to, to rely on. Uh, that seems to have been our, our approach. I think we, we potentially have missed DJ Jones uh, stuffing up the middle as he was very effective at doing that. Um, and, and Kinlaw and Armstead, I think, have got to step up and that will give us good foundation if, if we can do that. And then hopefully we will see our, uh, our game changers like Hafunga hopefully come up with uh, an interception or two. So there we go. Now I've started off with a bold prediction there for the defence. Anything, uh, anything else? Bold predictions on the defensive side of the ball? Sammy Warmack to get an interception. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it, Lee. I'm going to stick with my boy, 97. Gareth, I think Nick Boss is going to get three sacks. May not be bold, but I'm, I'm going to... Lee's going to keep pushing for a Warmack pick. I'm going to keep pushing for a Nick Boss breakout, getting <laughs> a lot of sacks in one game. So there you go. Yeah, if we keep saying it, eventually it will happen, <laughs> I'm sure. So, so hang on. I mean, an interception's not that bold. <laughs> is it one interception? So let's say oh, but, two interceptions. But given how our defence plays, and, and, and like Gareth said, Lee, a broken clock is right twice a day. So if we keep going on about it, mate, we'll get it right one day. Uh, so moving over to the uh, offensive side of the ball, um, much like the defensive side, good at times, but far too sloppy, uh, particularly when it mattered. Uh, what did you make of the performance of our basically brand new offensive line, Lee? So I didn't think it was as bad as what a lot of people on Twitter, Facebook made out to be. Again, mass hysteria was all about um, pressure up the interior of the O-line. But if you have a look at how long that um, trail lance held onto the ball, you're going to get pressure, especially when your quarterback's holding it for that long. What I was quite surprised about was Trent William had arguably his worst game in a 49ers uniform last week, yet nobody's talking about that. I think he only graded uh, third out of the offensive line with um, both Spencer Burford and Mike McClintry getting a better grid than um, Trent Williams. I know he allowed three pressures, and there was a couple of times where 
people just breeze straight past them. I, I thought it was a poor game, but I've used the weather as an excuse for the defence, so it'll only be fair if I use it for Trent Williams as well and say that um, his footing might have been compromised because of the weather conditions. But it, it was still a surprise to see Trent Williams not lead that line as far as performance is concerned. Um, but overall, I, I thought I thought the offensive line played well. I did. Um, I said at the beginning there, if the QB is going to hold on the ball that long, you're always going to get pressure. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, much the same. Watching the game, my impression of the offensive line was was worse than when I watched the game uh, highlights back and the and the game in forty. Uh, and it was difficult to point to say anyone had a really bad game. I think it, it's part of a function of the offensive line needs to be a unit. And I think that's the first time those five guys have ever really uh, lined up together because certainly we didn't have that uh, line up in the preseason. So hopefully it's something that uh, they will work on. Um, I wasn't overly worried by the offensive line performance. I think it's cleaning up a, a few bits, particularly in the run game. There were quite a few missed uh, blocks didn't quite engage with the defensive player like they would uh, like and that stuffed up the one game so I'd like to see that improved uh, as well as obviously the uh, the pass protection anything else Paul offensive yeah, line guru well, well yeah I'm, I'm trying to get a bit more knowledge Gareth um, obviously Nadji not being here I think like Lee said I think watching the game live and then jumping on social media it made it sound as if like the offensive line was terrible. I think what people need to remember is that the left guard, the centre and the right guard had three combined NFL starts before mm. Sunday's game. And we've said all off-season about Trey Lance needing time to develop. You've said that perfectly. They're a unit. And like Lee said, Trent Williams had an off day and it stood out because he's normally that good. Um, I think the interior offensive line struggle generally. Like you said, the run game it seemed... The first quarter, Gareth, we were running the ball well. And then after the first quarter, we struggled. But mm. you look at the PFF grade, you look at the stuff afterwards. One thing I love about Game Pass and the All-22 and the Game in 40, you can watch it back, like Lee said, a couple of days later without the emotion. And you think, actually, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I noticed that. I didn't notice that on Sunday. And you're right, Lee, the weather isn't an excuse because both teams played in it. But we do have to take that into consideration. But I'm just looking forward to seeing how the progressed this Sunday Gareth so hopefully the weather won't be as bad as it was in Chicago but obviously I groaned this morning when Lee dropped the uh, the weather chart in from San Francisco for this Sunday. Yeah certainly uh, Elijah Mitchell out for eight weeks so presumably we'll be relying a bit more on Jeff Wilson Jr but also we may see Jordan Mason and Tyrion Davis Price how do you think we're going to look in the run game this week? I think we're going to look different we're definitely going to look different. Um, last week, so I think in the preview last week when we did the uh, the live show from the head of steam, I said I was expecting a, a large dose of Jeff, Jeff Wilson with him being the more experienced back, but I also expected to see Jordan Mason. And I was very surprised that we didn't see him at all. Mm. So hopefully we'll see all three play some part in the game just so we can just change it up with the type of backs they are. Um, obviously, we lost to Michael Hasty when we cut him, and he was picked up by the Jags. Uh, I think John Michael Hasty would have played a part tomorrow night had he still been on the roster. Obviously, he's not, so that's history. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how Jordan Mason plays. 
because he mm. looked really good during pre-season, which what prompted us to cut Michael Hasty. And I think you need to give him the chance, the opportunity to get out there early and to make the same sort of claim to a starting spot as what Mitchell did this time last year. Because obviously Mustard, he lasted eight uh, players of the first game. Mitchell came in and he was outstanding. And hopefully we can get that from either TDP or Jordan Mason. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to to see if uh, Jordan Mason can take advantage, if you like, of uh, Mitchell's absence uh, and potentially make a bit of a name for himself. Paul? Yeah, I think Jeff Wilson will be the lead back. And I think the pressure's on Gareth. I mean, he only averaged 2.4 yards per carry in week one. And I think Kyle Shanahan is well-known, Gareth, for going with the hot hand. Like he said, Mitchell last year wasn't really expected to come in and do as well as he did. But when obviously the injuries happened and it's kind of like Groundhog Day again, here we are, our lead back's gone down injured week one and you think, oh, who's going to step up? I think basically he's going to challenge for someone to step up, like Lee said. Obviously, I was very high on the Jordan Mason hype train. All the content creators who were at training camp, Gareth, have been banging the drum for him. I want to see him get a chance on Sunday, but I do think we'll see all three. I just think whichever one takes the opportunity, Shanahan's known for basically allowing them to run with it. Pardon the pun. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole success of the running backs actually relies on two other players, and that's Juice and Kittle, if Kittle does play. Um, I think last week it was evident that we weren't really blocking as well as what we could do. Um, I, th- I thought, again, I thought the offensive line did a very good job of creating gaps. But then you've got your normal players that you rely on doing the uh, uh, leading the running back, the likes of Kittle, the likes of Juice, who were missing some of the blocks. Um, obviously, Kittle missed the whole game, so we had Charlie Warner and um, Ross Dwelly on there. So I think the success of the running backs tomorrow night is going to hinge on whether or not Kittle plays, because I think Kittle is so important in both the run and the passing games as far as his blocking ability is concerned. See as well, Gareth, the whole league knows how Kyle Shanahan wants to play. And he always, you know, he uses outside zone. They want to get to the edge. They want to create those pockets, like Lee said, for the running backs to attack. So I'm hoping it's Jordan Mason. But if we came back on Monday, Tuesday, Gareth, and Jeff Wilson Jr.'s ran for 150 yards, three touchdowns, and we've won the game, I won't be too upset that it wasn't Jordan Mason. I think the concern is, because we are missing Elijah Mitchell, we use Debo as a wide back too much and potentially take away from his ability to um, be effective in the passing game. Mm. It, it does still worry me that. I know I know he's he's a really thick-set uh, wide receiver. And I've said it before, he reminds me of Antoine Bolden. Um, I think he could be that type of um, wide receiver who is always the safe guy to go to on third down to make sure we get that first down. I just... I just don't like the seeing him in the run game because the potential for injury is so much higher. So hopefully Shanahan will have the confidence in the running backs and the blocking schemes that we're putting in place to allow Debo to stay out wide out and play as a wide receiver. You can see why, does it, though, Lee? I mean, last year Debo averaged yeah, six carries great. per game yeah. and he was averaging 6.1 yard carry. You know, if, if you've got a running back who's averaging six yards a carry, like Nadji's always preached, you know, that's going to move the ball. And the temptation is he doesn't know what TDP can do. He doesn't know what Jordan Mason can do. But he looks across at Debo and he thinks, oh, well, if I give him a carry 
Um, I think we'll see Debo rush for about 30 to 50 yards on Sunday, Lee. I think, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to put the ball in his hands. I just hope it's not as much, like you said, and I hope one of the other three step up. That's why we drafted TDP, supposed to be a heavy set back who could take the bulk of the carries. And we were hoping it would release Debo to be a wide receiver. Mm. So do you think Shanahan will have a, a slightly different approach uh, in this game, given his possibly uh, not A1 performance in terms of play calling versus the Bears and with potentially Kittle maybe in or out? Do you think Shanahan's going to have a different approach and, and lean more on the one game? Or is it? Or are we going to see what Trey Lance can do? No, not really, because we don't lean on the run game. We are the run game. That that is what we do. That that is how we play. That is how Shanahan's always played. So it, it's difficult to say we can lean on a run game, which is basically our bread and butter of how we play football. Um, will, will he pass the ball more? Will, will he put in some more passing plays? Without a shadow of a doubt. But again, it all depends on how much it's going to rain. So at the moment, there's a 70% chance of rain. That doesn't mean it's going to be a downpour. It, it, it just could be very light rain. If it's very light rain, we can pass the ball, no problem. Um, even if it's heavy rain, we can still have a go at passing the ball, just as long as it's not a monsoon, like Chicago. But no, I, I can't see him doing anything differently to what he normally does. Because each game... He always tries to establish a run. The majority of the game, and say the majority of the game, probably two-thirds of the game is run, one-third pass. And we've been successful that way. That's the way the team, the roster is set up. That's the way we've been built. That is our strength. So we'll continue doing that. What I hope he does is, uh, going back to what um, Neil Graham said on the review show, I hope he can get out his own way mm. when things don't go right. When, when they're not working like he thinks it's going to work. Because the amount of fans I've spoken to who all have exactly the same opinion of Shanahan, uh, and Neil Graham summed it up perfectly, he gets in his own way all the time. He doesn't seem to be able to get out of a rut and be able to change things up. So if he's going to do anything differently, that's what I want to say. If it's not working, change it. Adjust. Don't wait till half-time. Don't wait till the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. Adjust early and try something different. That that's what I would like to see. I mean, to answer your question a slightly different way, Gareth. Um, the Seahawks have allowed the second most passing yards since the start of the twenty twenty one season. And in their last eighteen games, only one starting quarterback has thrown for fewer than two hundred and twenty two passing yards. And I'm pretty sure you guys may be able to guess who that might be. <laughs> Certain quarterback in week four last year. But anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I think what Lee's... I think you're right, Lee. I, I can't believe you're doing that, you know, Paul. Knowing that you're going to be sat up in Falkirk <laughs> next to Neil Watson. I can't believe well, you did that. Nadji's not here. I've got to bring the stats. You know, Nadji's a stats guy, and that, that's, what, that's what it says on my notepad. But you said it last week, Lee. Trey Lance hasn't been brought in to pass the ball more. What he's been brought in is for deeper passes. So yeah. where Jimmy might have thrown the ball five times and got 25 yards... We're hoping Trail throw the ball three times and get 60, 70 yards. And like we seen last week, Gareth, that throw to Ray Ray McLeod was arguably his best throw. We haven't seen that for a long time as 49ers fans. And I think, like Lee said, we'll establish the run, but we're hoping that Trail Lance is going to keep defences honest because you're right, Lee. Neil Watson's obviously Jimmy's biggest fan, but he'll be the first to admit that he hasn't got an arm like Trey. So I still think we're going to run the ball a lot, Gareth, but I think Trey... 
I think he'll get over 200 passing yards on, on Sunday, but I don't think it means he's going to be coming out and throwing the ball a lot. I just think we're going to have a lot of deeper passes than what maybe Jimmy would have had. Speaking of which, do you think we will see Danny Gray suit up for the game? I hope so. Yeah, I, was, me. I was really, to be honest, Gareth, when that came on the screen in Leeds last week, that it was a healthy scratch. Obviously, I think the weather played a part, but we were all very disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. so I think you hit the nail on the head there. The weather played a part. We'll be looking at uh, who we've got on the active roster this week. Obviously, we're missing Mitchell. We'll more than likely have TDP on there. So we'll have three backs on there. Looking around the team, who are you going to drop and bring in Gray for? Because Juwan Jennings arguably was our best wide receiver last week. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Jennings showed, again, it shows sometimes, isn't it, Lee? Jennings had had a bit of an up-and-down training camp. Yeah. Yet last week, he was the Jennings we remembered from last year. So when you put it like that, if it's a choice of Jennings or Gray, I think he'll lean with Jennings because he knows what he brings to the team. Yeah, and he's more experienced. He knows the playbook better. Um, are you going to drop Ayuk? No. Are you going to drop Samuel? No. Are you going to drop Ray Ray McLeod? No, because he's our return guy. So then you think, well, if you're going to bring Gray in, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere. It, it could be that um, they decide the weather forecast is quite light rain. Then maybe take out a linebacker. They drop a linebacker off the uh, the active the active forty six the game day forty six, and bring in bring in uh, uh, an, another wide receiver. It, it could be that, um, but yeah, I, I don't ex- if he does play, we definitely not bringing bringing him in and dropping another wide receiver. Yeah, I can't see him. Uh, yeah, exactly what you said. Being brought in for another wide receiver. Uh, but we're, I, I am keen to see what he can do um, and what havoc he can cause just by running those deep routes, maybe turning that secondary around. Doesn't even need to get a target. Uh, I'd like to see him get a run out and see how the uh, offense looks with a with a guy that they've got to account for in terms of just speed. Yeah. So I've got a question for you, Gareth. Ooh. If Kittle does, does make the active uh, game day roster, the game day uh, 46... Who do you drop? Because for me, Tyler Croft, again, was arguably the better of the tight ends last week. Mm. So do you drop Warner? Do you drop uh, Dwelly? I think if you're keeping Croft, um, unfortunately, I think Dwelly might be the uh, the odd man out there. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking as well. Because blocking-wise, Warner is definitely our number two tight end behind Kittle as far as the blocking schemes are concerned. Mm. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I think Dwelly's known for his pass catching abilities, Lee, but I think against the Seahawks, I think it's going to be a slugfest, isn't it? We know what they're going to bring to the table. So, I mean, Kittle, he's practiced, lads. We said it before we went live. It's a good sign to see him practicing, but what do you reckon? Do you think we see Club 85 represented in Levi's on Sunday, Lee, or do you think it's all a bit of uh, smoke and mirrors? So I hope if he plays, he is actually ready. I hope they don't push him back because if he injures that hamstring now, he could be off for the next six to eight weeks, depending on how bad it is. I'm definitely concerned that he's only practised one day this week. The video I saw of him practising didn't really show much. He jumped up and down on the spot and then kind of strolled off to the other tight ends and receivers. It didn't really show him sprinting, didn't show him changing direction. I'm a little bit concerned that we're trying to push him back into the lineup 
because of how important he is in the blocking scheme. I hope that's not the case. Um, I, I think George is the type of guy that will turn around and say he's ready to play, even if his leg's snapped in half. <laughs> yeah. So he's definitely not going to say, oh, no, you know what, I could do with another week or two. And I'd I, I prefer him to, to be honest and realistic and say, look, it still doesn't feel quite right. There's a little bit of a niggle there. Because, like I said, the risk of him going out there and making it worse could potentially mm. catapult our season down the toilet. Yeah, it's it's it's. I was look when he when I saw the press conference last night and Shanahan didn't give much away. I think people take for grantedly how dominant we are with Kittle on the field. Yeah, I mean when he doesn't play with three games under five hundred in the fifteen games, he makes everyone else's job on offense easier. But you're right. I think Kyle sometimes has to protect Kittle from himself. There was a good footage last year of Kyle saying that whenever there's something that happens good on the field, he stays away from Kittle because Kittle's like running into everyone and barging into everyone. It's like he's just so much of a football player. Um, and like you said there, that's a good... You've got a way up, don't you? He'll want to play. It's a, rival, it's a rivalry match-up. If we lose this one, we're on two, which if you look at the stats, is never a good sign for your, for your playoff hopes. On the counter side of that, gents, we were three and five at one stage last year and we ended up in the NFC Championship game. So I'm not worried, but you're right, Lee. For me, he needs to be as close to his best if he's going to suit up and play. If not, I'd rather he sat this one out and then we got him back when he was fully healthy. Yeah, well, I'd like to see him sit as well. It's only week two. Um, it's not worth it losing him for four to six weeks just to play a few snaps in a game where he may be a week too early. Uh, so unless he is fully fit, fit to go, which I would find hard to believe given his lack of practice, uh, I think it's probably best he, he sits this one out for the moment. Um, and you've got to look at the season as a whole rather than just the next 60-odd minutes of uh, of game time. So uh, any offensive bold predictions you care to put on record forever? I'm going to let Paul go first. <laughs> hey, well, I, I, I said at the start, Gareth, I mean, it's not bold. I think Trey gets over... 200 yards in the passing game. I think we see Debo rush for at least 50 yards on Sunday. Um, I've, I don't know who's going to get the touchdowns. I've got my score. You've put me on the spot a little bit here, but uh, bold prediction, I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk, two touchdowns on Sunday. No, oh, you've been looking at my notes. That was exactly <laughs> uh, my, my bold prediction. I think, again, like the uh, Bosa sack uh, prediction, I'm just going to keep sticking with Ayuk having a good breakout game until he does. For, for, for context, we were first in the red zone scoring percentage last year and I do think Trey Lance is going to do well. For, obviously, I've got him as my QB in the 49er faithful UK fantasy league, so I need Trey to be good. But yeah, I think Brandon Ayuk's due for a good game on, on Sunday, gents. Lee? Right, OK, so bold. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to be ridiculously bold because, you know, <laughs> that is me, ridiculously bold. OK, so... Because I think it's highly unlikely to happen, it's definitely a bold claim. So I'm going Trey Lance four touchdowns, three hundred plus yards through the Nice. That is bold. It is, but it also ties in what, what my score prediction is going to be. <laughs> Go on then. That's uh, seamlessly moved us into the score predictions. Uh, looks like you're first up, then, Lee. Okay, I actually think this is going to be a, a decently high-scoring game. So the over/under is forty point five. We are nine-point favourites, which is very high. Um, it's not often you get to be uh, that favoured over a team. 
So I, I think it's it's the homeowner. We've got the crowd there. We're going to be putting off Geno Smith. I think it was an anomaly last week that uh, the Seahawks beat the, the Broncos. I'm going to go with a 35-17 49ers victory. I, I think this is going to be the one where we finally shut up um, Chitty Petey. Oh, well, I thought mine was quite bold, Gareth, because I was going for a, a 30-17 to 17 49ers victory. Um, I, I echo what Lee thinks. I think it's going to be a, a fairly high-scoring game. I think the 49ers bounce back. And obviously, we, we're always looking at it with rose-tinted glasses. So, yeah, 32-17 for the 49ers for me, Gareth, which leads us on to you, buddy. Mm, I think I'm the less, the least bold with a 24-17 Niners win. I think we've all given the Seahawks 17, haven't we? We have, yeah. That, that is interesting. Yeah. I think Gino Smith impressed us all last week, Gareth. So, I think that's maybe where we're giving them a little bit extra credit. I can just say, yeah, we, we've got to tidy up those aspects of the game and I don't expect it to be perfect, but hopefully we can play a, a tidy enough game uh, and lean on our playmakers uh, enough to, we should be, be able to put away a team like the Seahawks, uh, I think, uh, at home. Um, but I'm uh, I'm expecting another another roller coaster because let's face it, it's the 49ers playing. So yeah. it's going to be a roller coaster. So anything uh, else to add? Any other gems or, or nuggets of knowledge before we wrap up? Um, we, we've signed one of our stars to a new contract. Mm, of course. Everyone know who that is? Yeah, M- Mitch was... I can't even pronounce his surname. The punter has signed a four-year contract. <laughs> Hence why I passed that hospital pass. <laughs> I was practising it this morning, but no, I can't say it. Mitch, is it Wisnowski? That's the best he's going to get out yeah, of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. See what you what you do, Paul, when you have names like that. It's like Mitch, we ski. That's how you do it. I was surprised to see the extension announced now, but I think he's been solid. Um, obviously, there's a few people wanted us to maybe go younger and cheaper at the position in the draft, but I think Kyle quite likes this. our special teams, doesn't he? With you know Turbo Pepper, Robbie Gold, Mitch. So yeah, I, I was quite pleased to be honest. It's definitely a changing, a changing strategy by front office teams, because once upon a time you you would draft you draft a well you'd get an undrafted uh, free agent as a punter, you wouldn't uh, expend a draft pick on them, you wouldn't necessarily sign them to a new contract, not a big contract anyway. I mean, and Andy Lee was a different animal; he's different gravy. Andy Lee, I thought, was an excellent punter, and I was absolutely gutted when, when uh, we let Andy Lee go, and then we brought. Bradley Pinion in, I think we we used a fifth rounder on him. We were all surprised at the time. And I don't think he kind of lived up to a fifth rounder, if I'm honest. I mean, he's had some success at uh, the Buccaneers. He did have some success with ourselves. But then again, some of his punts were absolutely ridiculous. They, they were garbage. So that, that's why I'm always, I'm always wary of when the front office use a, a draft pick. And obviously when we picked up Mitch, it was a fourth rounder. So it's it's... Yeah, I think I think it signalled a change in the attitude towards punters, who are people, believe it or not. Mm. Punters are people, just like kickers. Just mm. like kickers. I was just going to say, Gareth, before you finish off, I was chatting to Dan at Let's Talk Sports. He wanted to say thank you to the community for taking part in the Womack giveaway. 
He's hopeful to do another giveaway in the next coming weeks. He's not sure what it is yet, but he said the response is really good. And that echoes, I think we've got some plans as well. So people do tune into the pods. Keep an eye out on Twitter and the Facebook group. Um, and obviously, we're just thankful for everybody who listens to the pod and tunes in. So hopefully we can give some stuff back over the next couple of weeks. Feels great, baby. <laughs> yeah, something something to look forward to. So thanks, Paul. Thanks, Lee. And thanks to everyone who listens to the show. Uh, feel free to like, subscribe and comment wherever you get your podcasts and check out the YouTube channel by searching for 49 and Faithful UK. We will be back next week with a review of Sunday's game when hopefully we'll be talking about a good performance and a good win. Until then, go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, nine again. San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart Like Joe Montana in the corner deep Clark Garrison Hurst, stiff arm going 99 Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline NDB, greatest owner of all time Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick We're all students of Bill Walsh, don't ever forget